Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. And as I sat there and I, and I thought today, what kind of message uh, did I want to bring today? Uh, it's kind of weird when, I, when, when, you, when you have the privilege of, of being in Matt's position where you can you know, sc- scope out 12 weeks, uh, you can kind of uh, pick your favorite book. And that's the one thing he told me to do was stay away from Galatians. I could preach anything I wanted. I tried to stay away from Galatians. And so I'm going to finish Galatians for you. He, he, uh, I'm just going to, you know, we could put it back and get, get, just get, get on to something else. No, it, when I'm someone in my position, I just, you're going to get what I'm thinking about right now. You're going to get the things that God is working on my heart with and the things that, that I hope um, have been meaningful to me and hopefully will be meaningful to you too. And the thing that has been on my heart the last week, it's going to sound funny, but it's been Girl Scout cookies. Right? Like, have you seen them? They're out. They're out. And here's why my heart has been on Girl Scout cookies. Because Girl Scouts and Girl Scout cookies, they are sort of the predators of the urban jungle. Okay? They're the wolves that, that they're looking for the weak. They're looking for the sickly. They're looking for the defenseless. And they're going to prey upon you. They watch you going into stores. And they guess that you're hungry. And they're like, oh, there's one right there. Get him. Get him. Get him. And there's a, you can hear it. Like, you can hear the call. Thin mints. Thin mints. Thin mints. And I think it's not, it's not a strange that, that, um, that they come out the end of January. Right? That, 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 that this is right when they start selling cookies. And the reason why I think they do it is because people have made New Year's resolutions. Right? They made New Year's resolutions. And it takes about a month before you start breaking them. And they're like the wolves and we're the bison. And they see one going a little bit slower and they're going to get us. But, see, so yeah, I've just been thinking about this pattern. This, this is what brought it up. And I've been thinking about how we do this. That New Year's is a wonderful time to make resolutions. To, it's kind of a reboot. I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but, but I need those moments of reboot. I think that's why we gather in worship. That every week we have a chance uh, to reboot and recenter our life around the truths of Christianity. And even in the major holidays. But we need these, these points where we feel like we can start over. But for some reason, I don't, if you're like me, the New Year's resolutions you keep making run out of gas. They run out of gas right around now. This is where it start, you start feeling defeated. You start feeling defeated by, um, by your life, by the course of it, and by the failures that seem to be plaguing it. In fact, it's kind of weird, but even just the act of making a New Year's resolution reveals that, that there's something wrong internally that we recognize. We, we sit down on New Year's Day at the start of a new year and we survey our life and we, and we ask ourselves, what's wrong? And what needs to be different in the coming weeks and months and years? We maybe look inside ourselves and see the things that we've consistently struggled with, the weaknesses and the sin, and we wonder what we can do differently to make it better. Or we survey our surroundings and we ask ourselves, uh, what is it that's causing me all this fear and anxiety and frustration and defeat? And how can I maybe manipulate my circumstances to make him uh, more amenable to my own happiness and my own peace? And so we come up with a series of things that we desire to do that we hope will transform either us internally or our surroundings. And in about a month, they start unraveling. 
And then we start telling ourselves all these, all these Christian words like, like um, God's never going to give us more than we can handle, so I just need to suck it up. I need to, to, to man up. I need to step up. All these, all these words of, 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 of challenge and conviction. And we either fall into one of two categories. We fall into a category of what we think we need is more rules and more lists we need um, more things to try and do, or we give up. We, we resign ourselves to the fact that I can't do it anymore. It's already, it's not even February, and I've already given up. I'm powerless, I'm hopeless, I'm defeated, and, and I'm done. And there seems to be a pattern in all of our lives. The good news is that this is a pattern that exists in human history. This is how all humans act. And the even better news is that there's a way forward. And so what I want to talk to you today about is, is the ways in which I believe uh, God shows us that both of these ditches that we fall into when we struggle with our own sin and, our, and, and the frustration and, and defeat that we experience in our world, that both of these ditches, um, though there's nothing new to falling into them, they're not where we're supposed to stay. So where are you this morning? Are you in the camp of feeling like what you need to become the perfect you, the best you, is to you know, put on your boots, get to work, get a longer list of rules this time, and try to figure out what you can be to realize your dreams because it's all up to you? Or are you feeling defeated this morning? Are you feeling like there's no hope? You've tried and tried and tried, and it never gets any better. Which ditch have you fallen into this morning? Well, I want to look at a passage of Scripture which I believe addresses this exact problem. It's found in the book of Romans. You see, Romans is a book that, um, that is written to people like us. Paul wrote the book of Romans as a prelude to a mission trip. Paul uh, was you know, in the eastern Mediterranean going through Turkey and Greece, and he desired to go to Spain. He was going to take a mission trip to Spain, and he was going to use Rome as his sailing point. Uh, to, that was his base camp. And, but there was a problem in the church at Rome that he had to get fixed before he could use this city as his base camp for his mission, trip to, mission project to Spain. And the problem was there were two camps. There were two camps in the church that were kind of at war with each other. The first camp was the Christians who were more from the Jewish side of things. They were Jewish converts, and they were used to the law and keeping the law, and they figured that the way you pleased God was trying to keep all of the lists of rules and laws. And then there were a group of Gentile converts who had only ever known grace. And they were under the impression, some of them, in an extreme instance, that because of the grace of Christ, that we could just live however we wanted, that we could do, that we could live it up, that, that if the, the logic goes something like this, if I get grace when I sin, then maybe I should sin more and I could get a whole bunch of grace. Just an excuse to live however you want, hoping that, that, that Jesus um, would, would excuse you and, and, and let you off. Notice how those two ditches kind of reflect the ditches that we find ourselves in. We kind of either try to impose upon ourselves more rules or we try to give ourselves a reason to do whatever we want or excuse the fact that our lives are very little changed. It's to this group of people that Paul uh, writes this letter. And he writes it for the purpose of showing them 
that, that both legalism and libertinism are ditches. They're errors. They're not the way we're supposed to live. That you need not feel defeated by your sin and circumstance. And you should not think that you are stronger than your sin and circumstance. And by the power of your strength, pull yourself up. You are not stronger. Have you ever heard that, that saying, God will never give you more than you can handle? That's simply a lie. Now, it comes from the passage in the Bible where, where, where uh, Paul says that we will never be tempted beyond what we can bear. That in the midst of our temptations towards sin, there's all, God will always provide an out. But it's simply not true that, that God will never give you more than you can handle. Because the truth of the matter is, you and I can't handle it. Our sin is too much. Our circumstances are too much. And when left to ourselves, we either think, we either keep trying harder and harder and harder and harder, or we fall into defeat. And to this group of people, Paul writes a letter. And this letter is trying to convince them, you can't do it. You are not stronger, but God is. God is stronger. It's found in Romans 8, the passage I want to look at today. And in Romans 8:31, Paul starts by saying, God is stronger than your sin. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Ever felt so defeated by your sin you started doubting your salvation? Ever felt so defeated by your sin you felt like, how come it never changes? What is going on? How come these sins that I still struggle with are still present in my life? I thought once that I became a Christian that my sins were washed away. How come my life still seems plagued by the same defeats that I experienced before? And we start thinking, maybe, maybe God is indifferent to me. Maybe God's even against me. Maybe God is mad at me that I haven't been good enough and tried hard enough and done enough to show him that I'm, I'm grateful and deserve all the salvation that he's given me. And to someone struggling in that despair, Paul starts by saying, if God is for you, who can be against you? God is for you. He says it, Paul says it this way, he says it more emphatically in Romans 8.1, the beginning of this chapter. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation. Let that fall over you. Let that, let that fall through your mind and settle in your soul and let it nourish you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now, I can hear some people saying, no, so, so you're saying sin doesn't matter? That it's no big deal? That because I'm a Christian that I can't be held accountable for, for my sin anymore? I've, I'm off the hook? You can see how the temptation to fall both into legalism and, and libertinism, that I can live how I want or I need to have a longer set of rules, how it's easy to fall into both, both ditches. But it's a misunderstanding of salvation. See, the Bible talks about salvation in two ways, and those two ways are actually in this passage. He says, um, he describes God is the one who justifies. See, the Bible talks about uh, sin and salvation in terms of justification, which is the removal of the penalty of sin. When you've accepted God's free gift through Christ, your sins were paid for. 
the penalty for your sin was removed. It was, it was, it was applied to Christ and was not, it was not credited to your account anymore. But there's more than that. The Bible also talks about salvation in terms of sanctification. To not just be made just, justification, but sanctification, to be made holy. Justification is a, is a singular moment. Sanctification is a process whereby God conforms you to the image of Christ, to make you complete in Christ, grows you up and purifies you. I think of uh, one, of the, one of my favorite verses in this regard is Philippians 1.6. It's one of the earliest verses I was ever forced to, men, uh, to memorize, and it was, it was, it's been incredibly helpful. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That you're in process, that God is at work perfecting you. He will bring this task of bringing your life to completion. It's not up to you. It's up to him. He who began a good work in you, he will perfect it till the day of Christ Jesus. He knows. He knows what you're struggling with. He paid for your sin, and he is right now in the process of removing the power of sin in your life. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. He describes Jesus as this way. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That Jesus is our great high priest, and because he became a man, he knows exactly what we've struggled with. He knows the power and struggles of sin and circumstance in our life, and he stands ready to intercede on our behalf. He is a great high priest who knows our weaknesses. And because he knows our weaknesses, he desires to give us two things, mercy and grace. Mercy for, for those sins that we keep struggling with. Mercy, forgiveness. Grace, the, the, the ability to overcome, the power to, to overcome things that are beyond our control. God is stronger than our sin. And though we might feel the struggles in our own life, God is at work. He is at work to complete the task that he's given us. Uh, he, he, is, he has began in our life and he is available to us to continually intercede on our behalf, to provide us grace and mercy. I think of the old uh, hymn, I don't know if you, you might not know it, um, but Rock of Ages. How many remember the, the hymn Rock of Ages? It's amazing the deep truths that are contained in these old hymns. You know, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. We're in need of two things. We, we need to not be forced to pay for our own sin. We need, to not, we need to have the wrath of God removed from us, and we need to be made pure as well. These are both things that God is at work now. God is stronger than your sin, and he is at work even now, not just to save you from the penalty of your sin, but to complete the task of saving you from the power of sin in your life, and he will finish it. But more than that, God is not just stronger than your sin. God is stronger than your circumstances. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So many times we look at our life 
and we, and we say, this isn't going too well. If I am, if, is this the abundant life that we're supposed to have in Christ? Look at all the struggles and fears and frustration. Look at all the opposition. This counts as victory, and we don't know what's going on. And, and we say, look, what is, how can this possibly be? And, and to that, Paul says, God is stronger than your circumstances. And immediately we come back with saying, so we're just supposed to be okay with all of this, that, that all this evil and opposition and, and sickness and death and, and badness that we experience, that we're just supposed to go, oh, it's actually really good. No. No, we are trusting that God is the one who is able to overcome it. Paul said just a, previous, a few verses previous in, in a verse that many of us know by heart, Romans 8, 28. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That God is able to make all things work for good. Not that all things are good. There's a lot of evil and brokenness and sin in the world. But because of the power of God, that brokenness will never defeat you. You don't have the capacity to overcome it. Sure, many of you feel the, the, the struggle and burden of having tried, having labored, having beat your head against a wall that, that you can't figure out how to knock down. You're not stronger than your circumstances, but God is. God has the power to make all things work together for good. The classic example is, is Christ himself. The, the brutal murder of an innocent man was not the end. Christ rose triumphantly. Christ took the worst the world could do, and he defeated it. Probably my favorite example, an example I never tire of using, and if I've used this before, please forgive me, but it's found at the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 50, at the story of, of Joseph. story of Joseph, if you remember the story, Joseph was uh, betrayed by his brothers. They were, his brothers were jealous of him. They betrayed him. They sold him into slavery. They, they shipped him off to Egypt. They, uh, and while in Egypt, he, he meets a modicum of success, but he gets, gets accused of a crime, gets thrown into prison, is left to rot there. Everything, everything goes wrong for Joseph, more than you could imagine, more than he maybe thought he deserved. And then towards the end of his life, through a series of events, he finds himself in a position of power, and he meets his brothers. And once he reveals himself to his brothers, his brothers get a little nervous. They're like, oh, my goodness, now, now we're going to pay for what we did. He's in a position to finally make us pay for all the wrong we did to him. And Joseph says an amazing thing. It's found in Genesis 50. Genesis 50, at the, at, at the end of his life, he says, But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. That that's the power of God in our circumstances, the circumstances that, that are evil, they're wrong. There's nothing good about all the sickness and death that we experience in our life. It's not to justify or excuse or, or somehow say that, that what you're experiencing, your, your response to these things is bad. It's simply to understand that the message of Scripture is God is able to take what looks like a defeat and turn it into a victory. that the sin and evil that gets directed your way, the badness and brokenness that you encounter, God is able to make it work out for good. Those people, those circumstances might have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good in a way that's hard for us to figure out. God is stronger than our sin. God is stronger than our circumstances. And because God is stronger, we are more than conquerors. 
at the end of, of this passage in Romans 8, Romans 8, 37. But in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, our victory is not in our own ability, our own ability to manage our own sin and try harder. It's not in our own, our own ability to manage our environment and, and try to work out all the details so that we get the result that we desire. Our victory is because God is stronger. Because God is stronger, we are more than conquerors. Notice, uh, he lists a whole bunch of things. He tries to list every possible thing that could separate you. Separate you from God and therefore separate you from goodness and joy and peace and victory. Not death, not life, not angels, not principalities, not things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths. Anything created. There is nothing created. There's nothing that you can do and there's nothing that someone else can do to you that could ever possibly separate you from the love of God. And it's not just, it's not just kind of winning. It's, uh, I don't know if you, you follow college football, but uh, Baylor had a couple of very big uh, but very close victories and defeats. They beat TCU on the last play by a point, and they lost in their bowl game on the last play by a point. God's victory isn't like that. God's victory over our sin and circumstance makes us more than conquerors, overwhelmingly conquerors. not just a one-point victory. He's up by a couple of touchdowns. God is stronger. Our victory comes from God. It's not rooted in ourselves, our own abilities, our own capacities. It is grounded in his love. Notice it says at the very end of the passage, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. That the reason we have this victory, the reason why God is stronger, the reason why it's available is because God is on our side and he loves us deeply. Sometimes we forget the old Bible verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That God has acted and is acting and will act in this world out of a deep, deep love for us. That he loves us so deeply. And because of that love, he calls us to be more than conquerors. Our victory is found in God. Our victory is because he loved us. And our victory is through Christ. Nothing will be able to separate us because of Christ. So what am I supposed to do differently? I can hear you say now. I, can, I ask myself the same question. Um, what am I supposed to do differently? Okay, fine. It's not up to me. My New Year's resolution reveals the fact that I, I am, I'm a person who's struggling with, uh, with trying to overcome some aspect of my life that I don't like, either within myself or outside of myself. I want it to be different, and I can't. I scheme to face defeat. In fact, the same every year, it's the same resolution over and over again. This is fine. This is all well and good. This is true. How do I make it real? How do I make it come alive? What do I do differently tomorrow because God is stronger? How do I live my life in the strength of God and not in my own strength? I think it's just that. Stop trying to live according to your own strength. 
Jesus says in a very powerful passage, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If the strength of God, the victory of God that God wants to give you over your sin and over your circumstance is because he loved us and it's found in Jesus, then come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Learn from him. Lay down the yoke that you've placed on yourself or the world's pushed on you. Um, come in prayer to him. Lay your heart on the altar. Say, God, I am, I am defeated by my life and I find no victory. I'm defeated by the sin that seems to wage war in my life. I'm, I'm defeated by the circumstances that, that cause me to not understand where my life is going. And I need rest. Do it by, in prayer, confessing your sin. Do it by nourishing yourself in the, in the, in the, in the, in the truth of his word. Do it by fellowshipping with his, with his saints. But realize also, it's not about doing. It's about stopping the Old Testament says it this way. In the psalmist, Psalm 46, cease striving and know that I am God. Cease striving. Stop. Stop. So many times when we, when we analyze the problem, we, we think that it's up to us to, to work harder, to do more, to try something different. And we, and we even apply it to our spiritual life that we try to make us Try to make what we do somehow um, another project. Stop. Wait. Trust. Believe that God is at work. Know that he is stronger than your sin. Come to him. Come to him as someone who is able to provide you mercy and to give you grace to help in time of need and see if he won't do it. Prayerfully just confess. God, I, I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of my rope. I've come up with another plan and it, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I, I'm, I'm at a loss. Father, you know what I'm going through. You are for me. You love me with a deep, deep love and you made that manifest through Christ and you gave to me in Christ a great high priest who knows what I'm going through and please, through Christ, give me mercy. Overwhelm that sin that still wages war in my soul and give me grace to overcome, to overcome all of the things that are, that are going on in my mind and in my world. And then wait. Wait for God to answer that prayer. See how God answers that prayer. See striving and watch God be God. Where is this hitting you this morning? Are you more prone to the legalist list-making kind that you need to maybe put down your list and start looking at God? Or are you more prone to defeat and depression and you need to find hope that you were never meant to be stronger than this? Your hope is not in yourself or in your intelligence or in your ability or in your will. Your hope has always been and should always be in a God that's stronger than all of this. What do you need to do differently today 
to change your thinking so that you can rest? What do you need to tell God so that you can find the victory today and be more than conqueror? Let's pray. Father, so, so many times it's so hard. It's so hard uh, to, to look at our life and, and, and be content. Uh, we see the sin that continues to cause destruction and death in our life, and, and we're frustrated that, that we have no victory over it sometimes. And we look at the circumstances in our life, and we can't figure out how it's all working out. How could it possibly work out for good? And we're confused, and we're frustrated, and we're bewildered and broken. And sometimes we come to, to longer list-making to help us give us, maybe if we had one more rule, we could maybe, we could find victory ourselves. But many of us, Father, we find ourselves in depression and despair, hopelessness, defeat. But help us to realize, pound it into our soul in a deep, deep way, that we were never meant to be stronger than our sin. We were never meant to be stronger than our circumstances, that, but that you are for us. You are for us, God. May we always realize that because we are in Christ, that there is no condemnation, that you are stronger than our sin. You are stronger than our circumstances. And may we rest in that. May we rest in the deep, deep love you have for us. And may we realize and experience and begin to see the fact that we are more than conquerors, not because of what we have done, but because of who we are in Christ. I pray this in his name. Amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.